0: In the uh, last episode in the meditation you were doing there, I was just sort of struck by, and, and we were talking about it even in the podcast itself, these are, we're sort of exploring the mind, the space oh, of the mind. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's crazy. I know sometimes I'll be sitting there and just, you know, doing, doing my thing and then I'll drop into awareness of awareness, for example, and things just kind of light up along the periphery something like that. Or you just feel a little, just reminds me, I don't know if you had this experience when you were like a kid and you had a fever. A lot of people have this similar thing and you feel like you're kind of floating around the room. Oh yeah. I don't know if your mom gave us too much cough syrup or something like that.
1: (laughs) Too much Vicks. (laughs) Too much Vicks. (laughs) I remember
0: very distinctly like having a little bit of a buzz from Dimetap. And just feeling t- have tingling like crazy, and just feeling my awareness filling the whole room, and it was huge. It was like that was like my body, my whole everything was this gigantic awareness. And and I think that happens in in the space of the mind when you're meditating,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? As you mm-hmm. can can hit these spaces, and especially if you're actually doing a meditation where you're imagining open sky or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm absolutely yeah yeah i yeah that's i really love your uh, the sick kid thing i think i remember yeah uh, altered states as a child mm-hmm. being sick you know and and really what was happening there is you know as a, even as a child we don't really know but uh, the mind is with this the whole time and you know what is happening there mm-hmm. you know, what is happening there and what so our you know as a child a sick child who is and now maybe less concerned about their Legos and more concerned about, you know, whatever their body and how they're feeling. And then the mind kind of, they they, they fill out more of their mind in a a way. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's like, well, I am the room, you know? But um, yeah, definitely, definitely many, many various experiences of, I think, it's the self that we relate to at the, in the moment, which can be so expansive, you know, the, the self that we experience at any moment in time can be so small and and, and, in a way miserly, compact, compact, condensed. Yeah. yeah. And then when we have, ironically, in a sense, we have this other thing that's always with us all the time is this expansiveness that, (laughs) that, uh, is the more, is the truer version of ourself right? Always there, always with us, all the time, uh, un, largely unnoticed, and the space of the mind. Yeah, so why it's just, not inhabit it?
0: It's probably a, just a question of familiarity. If, yeah. If you're not exposed to these practices, it's not. They don't come naturally. You really no. need someone to tell you what it is. Yeah. Um. You may do some ayahuasca or something, and and maybe that sort of transforms your mind. Mm -hmm. to a certain extent but um if you don't have if you don't know these practices and you don't know these meditation techniques you're just you know grabbing blind blindly in the dark really
1: yeah and i think a big part of that is is we're always uh generally attracted to moving objects Hmm. interesting you know like you probably had this experience uh i think probably everyone can relate to this like if you're had the good fortune of being outside in a starry night and you're mm. maybe lying on the grass and you're looking up at the sky. There's this vastness and you can feel that expansiveness, right? the vastness, oh, the mystery, of yeah. the galaxy. And you can experience this spaciousness, but as soon as you see something move up there, right? A satellite or shoom, you're, 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 you shrink down to that little light going across and then uh, all that expansiveness has been forgotten for mm. well, a brief period of time because it's going across the expanse. But this is—I think it's is like a mini example of what happens. We're so used to like the thing that's moving, the things that's exciting that we forget about the space it's moving in. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, and I—I yeah, I, I remember distinctly. So when I was doing the. Uh, initial practices when I first started meditating it was always uh, here I am in my body right Mm -hmm. I I am a being inhabiting this body I'm in this body this body's mine Uh, and then like the more advanced version you you eventually get to okay now I have these winds and channels oh oh (laughs) I also have an aura so now I'm body plus now I've got this what I got like an arm's width of like electromagnetic field with colors that's oh so you know, but the whole time I'm in the center of it and this is the space I occupy. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh and you know, so so I I go from being this uh meat puppet walking around to this like glowing orb walking around. I'm st- it's still the same idea. I'm still separate mm-hmm. from others. And then when uh, I started getting these teachings on the space of awareness and the mind and then the limitlessness of the mind, then it was like, oh, okay, no, wait a minute. My body's inside my mind. My mind is not inside my body, my body's inside my mind. Then I starts right. getting, oh, okay. Like there really is no stopping point, you know? And then when I started hearing things like, uh, you know, your mind moves faster than light. And, you know, it's just where it's instantly wherever you want it to be instantly where you concentrate is where your mind is and you start thinking okay well what does that imply <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so yeah space of mind yeah wow limitless limitless yeah and
0: just it seems like um so you have like sort of a coarse mind and a coarse body and then with some practice you can experience a subtle mind and a subtle body and then from there very subtle mind, very yeah. subtle body and I've seen that that terminology used mm-hmm. And then would you say then that you're kind of on the threshold of um, crossing over, so to speak, where th- maybe that's not just when you have subtle experiences but when you have very subtle experiences, that's the time then to start really working the the channels and winds and getting in the heart uh, chakra
1: Yeah, as a yeah. dedicated practice. It's a dedicated practice yeah i think that's a safe time to do it um safe yeah 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 uh it's can be dangerous i know that there are some teachers that won't Mm -hmm. teach that anymore yeah Uh, people get hurt people Mm -hmm. get hurt um well i certainly myself have had definitely like these crazy lung experiences in retreat working too hard at Mm -hmm. the area of the heart but Yeah, when you're because when you're getting down to those subtle and very subtle mind, your uh, relationship with the winds and channels is 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 just as subtle and just as fine because you refined your mind, and so these subtle movements of the wind, and you know you're wanting the most subtle winds to enter into the heart chakra, and then you could say getting very tiny to get very big mm-hmm. you know um uh, and I all of this happening in the
0: space of the mind
1: all of this happening in the space of the mind so yeah. when, when i was uh like before i got these teachings i uh one of my my main practices that i i don't know why i started doing it but um i decided that okay like I love the level you put it uh, exploring the mind you know the, the greatest adventure in, the, in 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 life exploring the mind right absolutely you know and so as my shamatha increased and i got better concentration i would start i would focus on certain points like uh the third eye was one of them and the heart chakra was one of them eventually but just deciding okay i'm going to go i'm going to reverse this whole thing mm. and i'm going to go Inward, and I'm going to enter this point. And it was either the third eye or, or the heart was where I would work with. With this idea that I just had, this idea that if I could go through this pinhole, <laughs> right, and on the other side is a universe. And even though I wasn't aware at the time that that universe that I wanted to enter was right where I was already, right, right, right. right? But, but the trick of the it's like the trick of the light the trick okay. of the mind's focus needed to have something to concentrate on to get the mind still enough to you know wh- whittle it down to this tiny point to then to then get so your concentration so fine to pursue this eye of the needle and then poof it opens right up hmm. uh, and i think that's another way of um looking at it is because you're um, your winds go where the mind goes. So if you are concentrating very, very intently on a certain subtle point of the body, the winds will go there. They have to, they follow the mind. And so like you're saying, you can use the winds or you can use the mind. And then so if you're using the channel practices to get the mind there or using the mind to get the winds there, that it, it works the same. Hmm. Well, then, then you sort of still have the the outer world, right? Yeah. I'm
0: um, I'm reading uh, this book, Open Mind. It's uh, um, some uh, so it's sort of a Dzogchen text by Lhrglingpa. Uh, I think he was the tutor to the thirteenth Dalai Lama, and it's it's kind of a text text talking about uh, direct crossing over a lot of things that i've never read anywhere else it's it's sort of considered secret teachings or whatever Mm. i don't think we're talking out of school i've heard things like this before but he's he's talking about getting into that to the heart chakra in that very you know small space and then that there's a channel from the heart to the eyes Mm. and you're you want to open that and explore that and that is sort of the what's going to change your perception of the outside world on a permanent basis. Mm. Like if you're already doing these practices that he says, you're way a far advanced yogi, Mm
1: -hmm. you
0: know, it's not something that I could just sit down and do, but I do sort of get a little bit of an understanding of what it means. Like I'm seeing the world, you know, through my eyes based on that experience in the heart chakra, the specific thing that you're actually talking about, Mm -hmm. maybe quite powerful. Mm-hmm. yeah i think that was one of the things that the, the buddha said when he you know hit, hit samadhi right and he was clearly a, a great uh, teacher and a great man and there were two other sort of the top you know indian uh, yogi guys in in india at the time and they said hey man let's start like the three amigos and we'll go around teaching and you know because clearly we all have what you know you know what everyone's looking for and Buddha said, he goes, no, I goes, and I'm paraphrasing a lot here, but he, he said that when he came out of Samadhi, when he came out of his meditation, the world was still there the way that he had left it. Yeah. And, and he believed that you could transform it, you know? So that's sort of the ideas of pure lands and things Yeah. come into but that, that, that made me think then. I was talking further that once you sort of hits, you know, certain levels, there's spontaneous compassion that arises. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I want that so bad. Because <laughs> right, <laughs> now, right yeah. now I work at it. You know, I work yeah. at compassion. Not that I'm some type of monster or anything like that. But it, there's times I go, oh, I, I could use some compassion here. But to have that as spontaneous, where, where have I heard that before, too? wheres I think that's something that you taught years ago. Yeah, the sp- well, the opening of the heart. Is that where sort of it comes from?
1: Yeah. Like uh, the opening of the heart, spontaneous compassion, for sure. Like, um, uh, well, yeah. So that's so interesting about the the heart and the eye connection. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in a way it's like seeing, seeing through your heart yeah, in a certain yeah. way. It's like, it's like that. And so your perception is different. And so if, if you get really, really solid with your meditations and you do, um, well, here, so, so here's the interesting thing. If you have enough bodhicitta, right, if your desire to become a Buddha for the sake of all living beings is, is very strong, mm. you know, you're, that is heart work right there. Without even really having to do anything specific, specific practice, that is naturally mm-hmm. heart uh, heart opening. And then if your concentration is increasing and you're doing stuff like um, meditating on the emptiness of objects and trying to decide, you know, where does the meaning of this come from, right? Mm-hmm. Where does my projection come from that, I, okay, I'm being forced to label this bush as a bush you know like or these leaves as whatever it may be and you're, you're understanding all that and you're getting there and then you sit down and you meditate um, you can have this experience we've talked about it i mean we mentioned it a few times the, the, the direct perception of emptiness but the thing is you can do that you can have that experience of seeing the nature of your mind directly you can have that with bodhicitta or without bodhicitta sure yeah you know, and there's the the result of those are very very different. So, if you've been just hammering bodhicitta for years, so much so that it's just a na- natural for you, it's like your mind has become this sponge that's just soaked with bodhicitta. You sit down to meditate, you're doing it for everybody else. It's just it's just natural. You've, you you're a bodhisattva, you know, in training, and if you actually have that motivation and then you see emptiness directly and you go into that you have that pranic experience Uh Uh, you do have the experience of the heart literally cracking open if if the bodhicitta is there and then at that point there is a perception of a different world that is coming from your heart that is like you you see that that you the world you are the world And the world is you and it says no separation and compassion spontaneous compassion and you're all in it together and you understand you know like the people that are suffering that are in samsara they're only the only thing that's keeping them there is this mistake this is one mistaken idea and uh i think like master shanti Deva put it so well like they're holding on to the burning coal they just they won't let it go and so for the first time in your life, you've dropped the coal and you see everybody else is holding it and you hear them scream and you're moved into this compassion. And then from that moment onwards, uh, the world that you see is not the world that you saw before. Uh, And so you're a changed person and because you're a changed person, the world is, the world's different as well. And then, so you see, people differently, your heart moves differently, your uh, everything is different. I think it would be
0: I think it's very easy to become sort of jaded and just say, well, that's the way of the world. And there's a lot of suffering out there. I think so. Very sort of a discompassionate view. We were talking about a Springsteen lyric before, I think, from one of his early albums. He's saying, you know, "At, at night, sometimes it seems you can hear that whole damn city crying. Oh, you know. It's beautiful, you know, and it doesn't doesn't take much to see the people that are really suffering in our world. Yeah. I don't know if it they've always said it's always sort of been like this. I don't know. It seems unique to our times. There's just it's, a lot of it.
1: It's hard to believe. You know, the only the only thing that ever makes me think that it maybe this has been going on for a long time is when you read uh when I when I read things like um, even back in the days of the Buddha, they're prescribing Uh, Practices like uh, you know, even back then, telling people not to gossip. Yeah, exactly. You know, like so, this has been happening for right. like, You know, no, you know, stop divisive talk. Stop, you know, these are all the things. Don't you know? And then, what the worst thing you can do is like kill your mom. You know, like don't do those things. So I mean, people have been doing horrible things to to each other. (laughs) That's (laughs) true. And in some in (laughs) some ways, we we
0: still have a long way to go because. You know, like they used to flay people alive. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not seeing that in the news yet, but uh no, thankfully, thankfully. So maybe we have yeah. progressed a little bit. Human beings, we can say we don't flay yeah. people anymore.
1: Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there one step at a time. <laughs> one step. Well, you know, I it was funny you just said that because the other day I was thinking this that. Like you know how everything those like the macrocosm and the microcosm <laughs> we're we're getting there we're not we haven't played anybody in the last couple of years yeah. <laughs> um the uh, how it can be okay so say a, a person is born and they go through life and they're very you know they need everything from everybody else to survive like you know like any child. And then there's like the sandbox phase, and then there's a teenage, you know, and uh, phase, and then adulthood, and and at some point, I think, I think luckily for many of us, at some point we get knocked around enough, we get beat up enough, yeah, to soften enough, mm-hmm. to suddenly get our priorities in a different. But usually, it's it's really sad that it, you you can't turn back the clock at that time, like when you mm. finally figured out, okay, yeah, being kind is way more important than anything else like mm. why didn't i know that when i was 12 right, right right i mean wouldn't my life would have been so much too, <laughs> it been so better for me and everybody else if i knew that going in and then but it's so just what if like humanity on a whole is a reflection of that so sure there's the dalai lamas and there's like lots of people that are like popping and, and awake and but there's also seems to be a vast majority of people that are still killing each other over ideas and land and food and yeah. like sex trafficking and like, and so, but like you said, there's, it's not common practice to be flailing people. So <laughs> we have, you know, so maybe we can look at the evolution of the humanity as like, is the span of one person's life. Right. So at what point, so, and, and how old are we right now? Like, are we f- like what six years old? Like, if we're still like, if, if a, a whole pile of us are still really believe that, well, okay, so we're, I've heard we're in junior high. Was that what? Is that yeah, junior so high? And, and we have nuclear arms. Junior, okay, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it. That's how we're going to solve oh, our problems. Oh, perfect. We're in junior high. <laughs> And someone just stole our girlfriend, and we have a nuclear bomb. And that's <laughs> how we're going to solve the problem. <laughs> no,
0: but I think there's something to be said like, for all of these things, I, you, you probably see this. I, I meet little kids all the time that are like four or six or eight, and they're just the most amazing kids I've ever oh, met yeah. in my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're just wide open and they're friendly, and you can tell this person. So, you know, maybe these are people that have had some type of, you know, uh, bodhisattva training in, in mm-hmm. you know 20, 30 years ago and they're they're mm-hmm. coming through again. And and it's and it's made an impression, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just, you know, it's just sort of our times. Yeah, there's always been all of this stuff. It's sort of like you look at a movie from the 30s. That was supposedly, you know, oh, a big thing and you know, socially groundbreaking. And you look at it and say, I can't watch this, you know. So I think it's just a question of of a lot of it's are are the times that you live in. And because we live in this time where it's like, here's all the information in the world. Yeah, just use this keyboard and you can have any of the information in the world, and see what's going on anywhere in the world right now.
1: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm.
0: So it's it's almost like. Yeah, so we have nuclear weapons and we're omniscient.
1: <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do with those bombs with our omniscience? Yeah. So, yeah, there's hope there. I think you know? so. Yeah. I, as yeah. much
0: as, um, and it's maybe that's part of the gossipy thing and not, you know, focusing on negative things.
1: Yeah. Well, the truth will always win, right? But I think the Buddha said that, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Like the truth is more powerful than samsara.
0: Yeah, Martin Luther King. Yeah, the the long arc of justice. Justice mm-hmm. is a long arc. You just have yeah. to sort of be patient.
1: Yeah, and then uh, that brings us right back to home as a practitioner. Talk about patience. Now, yeah. Talk about a long haul. Like you know, for <laughs> to really, really, actually carve yourself into something that's uh, a helper in the world, not a helpie yeah. Then And uh, that's uh, that's some doing. You, know, you got to log some time there. Yeah, I think too it's it's
0: important if if you're a practitioner and you got, you know, 5 6 10 20 years under your belt, take take a moment and s- see how far you've come. Yeah. I I know that my my heart is a lot softer than it ever used to be and I'm a lot more relaxed, perhaps a little too relaxed, <laughs> you know, than I've ever been, you know.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think that's a beautiful point. Those
0: are good markers that you can tell that you're making progress. You might think, Oh, I'm sitting down, I'm following my breath, I can sit for an hour. You know, is what else is there? Is this this all I'm capable of? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How do you keep going and what's the final goal? And Yeah. I you such
0: joyful effort, eh?
1: Yeah. Keep joyful your, effort.
0: Keep your enthusiasm up. Gotta have it how do how do llamas do that? <laughs>
1: how do llamas do that?
0: It's just a naturally occurring thing spontaneous
1: ah uh, you know um I mean uh, I'm only a llama in the fact that people call me llama <laughs> I don't think of myself as a llama mm. but uh, uh I guess over time it just started happening but uh, I think it's just When you hit a point when you realize nothing else is going to work, that's it. Oh. Yeah, nothing can sway you off of it. And because you know, if you've seen the alternative, <laughs> like the endless pain of uh, identifying with a me, mm-hmm. and uh, you you lived that already and experience the, the absolutely oppressive nature of the self Yeah, uh, and you get a taste of being free of that. And you know that everyone you look at is is encumbered with one of those things. Oh my God, everyone is yeah. encumbered with this thing that just sits on them <laughs> day in and day out. And there's only one way to freedom and that is through that thing, you can't just throw it off because yeah. that's the cards you're dealt with. So you just have to come right back. It's like a boomerang. Yeah, Got to deal with it. And so once you've had a taste of being free of that, then what else is there to do for any, anybody? There's nothing else to do. So that's what you do.
0: Yeah. I remember when I first uh, started coming to three jewels and uh, there's a lot of emphasis on uh, impermanence and death um, as per the training. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, to a certain point. I was like, all right, I got it. You know, I memorized it. Here's the test, turned it in, you know, and then, okay, you're still talking about it. And I I think, (laughs) I, I think the point there is, would you rather, like you're proactively looking at this stuff, would you rather you lose your house, your spouse, your job? Would you rather spend a couple days in the ER and, you know, take a, peek around the corner at the grim reaper or Mm -hmm. would you rather do these practices and think about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The choice is yours because people do come around in those other instances. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, they call that sometimes sugarcane bodhicitta. (laughs) Sugarcane bodhicitta. Yeah. Yeah. When you have like some, someone around you, someone close to you gets really sick or dies or something. And then suddenly you get the big picture for a moment. Yeah. You know and that, but then then the wave of the western life you know makes it the, the tidal wave returns right and then you're swept in back into the current yeah you
0: know? yeah <clears throat> yeah hopefully you've had some type of change as you, yeah. as your practice has progressed where yeah it can be more like a cork on the top of the wave as opposed to Yeah, just drowning underneath rolling the around in the bottom. Buddhism has some of the greatest uh, metaphors and yeah. imagery, you know. Yeah, they do. That really is a pretty amazing stuff.
1: I think, uh, yeah, they, they, they think they have a really firm grasp on the fact that you metaphors need it. Mm-hmm. You know, how else are you going to describe it? You know, yeah,
0: yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, you look at the history, you know, of how they basically, you know, Buddhism came in there and they had the bone you know, shamanic uh, indigenous uh, religion going on there with all these demons and and so forth. And the idea that Padmasambhava not only conquered them, but then he incorporated them. You know, mm. it's almost like it's the, it was the first real um, look into human psychology because, you know, they, they could say that these are subconscious elements that we have, that we need to tame, that we need to bring into awareness. Mm. could even say that that is one of the entire purposes of of the meditative practice to you know get in touch with your subconscious elements to to not sort of put them to keep holding them down to let your so that you can have sort of a healthy ego Mm -hmm. you know um,
1: tame the mind taming the mind taming the mind yeah i uh yeah, what what is a tame mind and what is an untamed mind? Those are two very different experiences mm. for a person, you know?
0: I'll have to send you this picture. It's a cartoon of it's a lion tamer. Oh. And uh, instead of a lion, there's, there's a mind, like a brain. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting there. Going, oh.
1: <laughs> Be afraid of that thing. It will eat you.
0: <laughs> it is fun, though. I mean, I could see where... If someone were to, uh, if I was just sort of a guy going through life and doing okay, and someone were to give me the full platter of uh, Buddhism and tell me all the great things about it, it might take me a while, Yeah. you know, to, to see some value in there. and just like, yeah. no, I'm fine. I, my wife and the house and the job's going great. Yeah. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah. I think it's pretty hard to convince people that they're suffering if they don't believe they are. Mm-hmm. You not know, they believe that they've uh, measured up to a certain measure of success in their life and they've got things kind of lined up and they've got uh, you know what what their information the information they have of what a good life is and what happiness is and if they have that all lined up it's pretty hard to crack into that yeah crack into that yeah i've heard that um, a lot yeah for sure yeah like well i don't know uh, Seen this over and over again. People come to class, study, and they're excited about it, and then they get a girlfriend, mm-hmm. or they get a boyfriend, you know, and they don't see them again because they they get that's that's the thing now, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I was just thinking about this whole taming your mind thing, and uh, how you know, wouldn't it be great if the automatic response to any question was, uh, you know. Why did they do that? Oh, untamed mind. Yeah. You know, like, cause we'll go into, um, you know, why does so-and-so what, why did so-and-so uh, say this nasty thing to so-and-so and, you know, what's wrong with that person? Mm-hmm. And then uh, in comes the blame. And then you've got all these people getting involved. You know, how could you, how could you say that to that person about that person, you be behind their back and, uh, uh-huh. and then on you, know, they dissection and, it's too bad, you know, it wasn't more common. It's it's simple, the untamed mind. Yeah, there's actually, um, uh, I don't think the book is nearby,
0: but there is is a a Buddhist practice called uh, specifically taming the mind, and it uses the example of of eight different animals. There's a tiger and an elephant, and it represents things like anger and, and whatever, and it describes them, I think it's like in maybe eight lines each and it describes what it is, and then it gives you an antidote. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really good stuff. I guess sort of like, uh, yeah, if you need animal metaphors, then there you go.
1: Yeah, Might yeah. Be
0: nearby here, let me see.
1: Your totem. Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: how to free your mind, that's what it is. The practice of Tara, the liberator. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's you know, you're stuck with the mind. <laughs> and then so if it's unhealthy, then it's causes you to suffer. And then if you can tame it, right? It's like the it's the tamed mind that doesn't respond in like the bodhisattva who doesn't respond in kind, right? Someone right. someone insults you as in the bodhisattva, hopefully their mind is tamed and so they don't respond in kind because they understand karma and emptiness. They understand that responding in kind just continues the cycle. But the only way that anyone could ever do that is if they had that moment of mindfulness where they could have, like, there was no knee jerk reaction. There was no, like, there has to be Mm -hmm. enough taming of the mind so that there's a moment Okay, well, if I respond in kind, I'm just going to continue the cycle. And then awareness, present awareness takes over and whew, danger alleviated, right? Danger, uh, would you say, you're safe from danger. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: it's sort of, <clears throat> when you think about things like the Ten Commandments or even the the, <clears throat> the, the, the basic uh, Bodhisattva, not the Bodhisattva vows, the freedom vows, <clears throat> they're very much around body, speech, and mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't kill, you know, no sexual misconduct, no intoxicants. Those are all around the body in the speech, no lying, you know, no verbal abuse, no gossip. And I think those are easy to do, you know, Mm -hmm. most people might already sort of have that to a certain extent, but then it's the mind is the final thing. So Mm -hmm. maybe someone cut me off in traffic or someone's being very rude to me or someone did something. And my first thought is I just, should just really clock this guy. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't do it. I have the image in my head. And, and so then it's sort of like, all right, I can check off the the box in the six times book did not right. res- respond in kind, but the, uh, there's still that taming of the mind that's yeah. left. It's still there. It's not the spontaneous compassion that's arising. You know, yeah. Not yet. Yeah.
1: I think it's if just going to be okay
0: yeah. with that. You know, I just laugh. Yeah. I think I've told this, before. I just laugh at myself. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Buddha is going to
1: clock that guy. Yeah. 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 The bodhisattva, the holy bodhisattva. (laughs) That's all you would need
0: to, you know. Hey, man, I was reading the newspaper. Uh,
1: Got in a fight with some guy yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, right. There go all your students. There go all your students. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fortunately, though, I think, uh, fortunately, there is a place that you reach where total cessation of any of that, mm-hmm. right? The space of the mind, right? The space of the mind is no longer occupied by uh, those kinds of reactions or those kinds of thoughts. They just don't exist. Oh, the space of the mind is clear, free and clear. Free and clear, yeah. So someone you know, uh, appears to do something in traffic like uh, butt in front of you or cut you off. And there, because the seeds of uh, reaction or blaming or any kind of animosity towards any other sentient being has been cleared away, it's impossible for you to have a thought like, I should clock that guy. It's actually literally impossible for you to think that. It Mm -hmm. doesn't arise because the mind, the space of the mind is clear of that. clean clear right and then so you just see another sentient being who's trying to get somewhere and you'll like do whatever you can to help them you know
0: well yeah i see a uh, like a house on a hill and (laughs) all the windows are open the doors are open the curtains are fluttering it's just open yeah Yeah.
1: Yeah. i think there's a
0: metaphor for that too right of
1: i think is that roomy
0: the mind right yeah it's like a monkey running from door window to window the window are the senses
1: oh no i was thinking well a different metaphor but no i don't know that one but the, the monkey door to door
0: he's like uh, going looking out the window and knows that's his you know his vision and then he goes out the other window and that's his sight and oh. he's just looking at the world and or that's his hearing rather yeah I he's, like that. but he's going like he's going crazy so he's taking it all in at the same time
1: the monkey in the house yeah he's trapped the in the house well oh, i like that moving very fast
0: people like the monkey mind metaphor yeah. they they really latch on to that because i think it yeah it just relates to go yeah I that's relate. it yeah
1: yeah i think it's fascinating what if you i mean where are these thoughts coming from the space mm. the space of the mind you know and they arrive and then they disappear And where yeah. do they come from and where do they go and yeah. why are they so believable while they're there? And, you know, uh, I well, I think that it's really an amazing practice to notice. You start to you start to understand that you're not like this singular person. Mm-hmm. You know, your moments of awareness. So, you know, like you may be well. For instance, say uh, you may experience yourself as this person driving in traffic, and we may think that the person driving in traffic is the same person as the person who's uh, eating breakfast at the breakfast table. And Buddhism says those are two different people. Maybe one mind stream, but uh, a different karmic seed popping of a whole different experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you it know, always comes back to karma and emptiness, right? It
1: always does. You know, And, the, and we don't get to choose that. It's like, uh, you know, we don't, you don't make a choice in the moment of, okay, here comes, oh, here he comes again, the guy that that wants to clock that person who cut me off. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it, we have no choice. It's just there.
0: But when that karmic seed comes, if you can sort of, uh, I've always felt like, so they're, they're sort of, the karmic seeds are just coming down the line, <laughs> right? And, and here, come, that one, it like comes in the chute and there it is. And you have you're having this experience. So let's say it is a negative experience. <laughs> you then have an opportunity then to add something on top of that seed so at this time it's like oh maybe it took you three seconds before to not want to think that negative thing now you got it down to one second mm. and the karmic seed goes and then i don't know is it coming all the way around and then who knows and it comes back around but th- the next time it comes around it's not as intense
1: oh, i like that that's the nice it, looking at yeah it. yeah i like uh, that
0: because it, it's sometimes stuff happens and you and you sort of deal with it and you think, well, yep. oh, yeah, I've grown as a person and you know I'm I'm never gonna, whatever, get myself in that kind of situation. And then boom, comes back around again and you're like I thought I got rid of this, <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. But it's yeah. so it really hasn't gone all the way down. You haven't no. you haven't completely yeah. extinguished that karmic seed, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot because you know you can because we can. Well, I think. Until we know it better, most of us just increase it. Yeah,
0: we we just add to
1: it. We (laughs) add to it, and then it comes around, and and I think uh, it it gets added to to the point where it's undeniable, and it like takes us out, or Mm. or you know, it becomes so unavoidable we have to do something about it. But like you say, you either either uh, diminish it or add to it. Uh, I really like that because that's that one that one even that one moment of worldview that could pop up is a you know it's kind of like planting another seed entirely yeah yeah i mean, and it's not it doesn't have to be
0: anything of great you know um conflict or something no. that's, that's happening it can just be the way that you're looking at a particular person because i know i've done yep. this like i can can tell i'm judging someone and then they come around again and i'm like You know, no, you know, don't do that and put as much of my practice in play with this person, with this interchange that I'm having. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it makes it makes a difference. People pick up on that, too, even if they're not sort of, you know, practitioners or meditators.
1: Yeah, I think people can sense when they're being judged Mm -hmm. and when they're not being like when they're being when there's acceptance and when there isn't. Yeah.
0: What is it saying? You shouldn't, you know, say anything behind someone's back that you wouldn't say to their face.
1: Yeah. Imagine if we all everyone lived like that. I think there was, was an
0: old Twilight Zone episode where people could hear everyone's thoughts.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. it didn't
0: didn't work out well. Didn't work out goes. so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing my friend added to that, he goes, "Yeah, go don't do anything in life that you wouldn't want to do on stage in front of people." Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are helpful. You know, I think uh, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm always a kind of, I mean, people love self-help and, you know, I've certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, read my share share of those kind of things, anything. I'll take any, any little help I can get, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Any little thing, any little sticky on the refrigerator to help me get me through the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when he was first coming to these classes and it was like, okay, I I can see clearly right now that I now have to do the opposite of every one of my instincts now for a while. Or <laughs> that's the only hope for me now is to a, do the opposite.
0: It was a Seinfeld episode if I recall. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, George George was doing the opposite of everything he thought he should do.
1: Oh, yeah, well, he's such a great character. He's my favorite. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and how how long did it take to make a switchover? Then once you started doing that,
1: Uh, well, I think what the the no noticeable differences started happening uh, during the six times book practice, which maybe that'd be an interesting topic one day. But yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I think what happened was with the six times book practices, starting to notice my instinctual knee jerk, you know, uh, Mm. desires and reactions they started to become funny, you know? And then bef- 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 before they were funny though, I kind remember, I don't, I, I should remember the exact details. But I was driving it was in between, uh, I was working on concrete at that time. So in between jobs mm-hmm. and uh, I saw someone, oh, what was happening? Oh God, I can't remember. I told Sherry she, she would remember, but <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I just shouted out to myself, "No!" <laughs> and I punched my dashboard, like, "No, uh, you will not do that." And it was it was uh, some kind of um, train of thought towards someone that I, that I saw on the street. That's uh, and I knew that it was not going to help me. I remember that, and but but I knew that it was because of tracking my thought patterns in this book that it was happening. Yeah. And then uh, starting to see the result of that in the, as it just became more um, automatic, I guess you could say. It became more uh, the pause, I guess you could say. Yeah. The pause before I did anything started to be more, obvious than the reaction yeah and then eventually just completely
0: and then eventually it just
1: empty it, it just empties out and then because what you're really doing in that practice is actually what you're really doing in that practice is you're attacking your karma mm-hmm. you're 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 directly getting involved in changing uh, your karmic perception of yourself in the world and how you your relationship with everything you see you're you're because that's what's happening with karma is it's forcing you to have a certain relationship with whatever appears before you. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of it, it's yeah, either we don't like it or it's unpleasant. We want to change it. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> and That eventually shifts into that relationship becomes one of more of love.
0: Yeah, I like the six times book. I think there's like 140 some odd items, right? And being happy when others don't get what they want, holding wrong worldviews like I, i'm not a kind of person I'm, i don't have envy or jealousy per se if someone like even in, in my own you know profession goes off and gets uh, an award or, is, or a new job it's like i'm it's, i feel like it happened to me i'm really excited about that but that might you know that's not to say you know i can look at the, there's 139 other ones i go yeah yeah that's me totally so it seems like they can be all be different um, they're very sort of tailored to people one that i've always liked to and i have it in in like a red font compared to the others failing to break a rule out of compassion and this is an extraordinary thing so this is something like you could you know break one of your vows because it's the right thing to do yeah and it's sort of a rare thing it's like a. You know, an ace or a joker that you just never really play unless it's really very serious. But what struck me about this was that how often we just do that,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just yeah. justify it.
0: Yeah, I go well. There it is. I can do that. No, but it's yeah. So that actually kind of was something that helped me uh, with the other ones. Hmm. Yeah. Cause, cause I'm breaking these other rules. It's like, well, there's this one that says I can do that, but it's extraordinary. It's in a red font, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. And you pretty much have to be a Buddha to pull it off. Yeah. Like, uh, that kind of thing. Go. Yeah. You gotta be like some high level bodhisattva, you know, like, uh, I remember even, uh, I think in there, in the, in the scripture, it's like, you know, uh, I think there are examples of that in history where, somebody like they, they call it take someone's capsule they kill mm, somebody right like because that that person is about to do all this damage but it, the only way that you can do that is if you're at such a level that you can actually take their consciousness to a higher realm mm-hmm. so like you're it's almost like you're doing them a favor <laughs> by doing that uh and then and then and in, in, in in so doing that then all this other trouble that they were going to cause like like I think that one of the examples was uh, someone who was killing nuns or something like that, um, oh, wow. like that, like something really heinous like that. Or killing I mean, everyone
0: thinks they'd go back in time and if they could, they'd they'd kill Hitler. But
1: yeah, God, that's yeah, hard one. Yeah,
0: For like, baby Hitler? Like, he's probably cute, yeah. you know? Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. His parents are going, what are you right doing time. here? You know, you, you, you have to believe me. <laughs> Got his sister. Yeah, you're right. No, no you don't. Know, Support I'm, his art. I'm from the future. <laughs> Support his art. Like, really, you know, pay for his art college. Make sure he's really good at art. It's it's true. Stir him away from... Yeah. I think, Uh, did you ever read that The War of Art Oh, so you're the one that was telling me about yeah. that. I, so I thought it was it? my
0: friend Damien. Yes, I read it after um, I, I, you told me about it.
1: Yeah, wasn't it an amazing book?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I watched his videos and I read the book. I'm like, yeah, that's me. You know, I'm yeah. my own worst enemy. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and did remember when he said in there, he goes, it was easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was for him to stare at a blank canvas? <laughs> this, he's like, it was... He, <laughs> i thought wow like that's the power of resistance right there yeah
0: you know yeah i liked to. yeah he was talking about you know because we're both highly creative people just that you sit down and you you're almost like you're you're going into a meditative state and you're like you know bring I, i'm just a conduit for these greater ideas yeah you know? yeah yeah i mean i think you think about that sometimes but he's saying that's the, the main thrust of why you should do what you're doing
1: Yeah, I love how he talked about uh, the muse and that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you want, you have to create the situation for the muse to arrive or she or or she says she, she won't arrive, you know, and that's do the work, like, like, write the 300 words that aren't going to (laughs) work until then she'll she will arrive, you know, you pay the price. Yeah, Uh, at the end of the day, it's a lot of
0: just discipline, you know. It's right. so much easier because like, yeah. I'm I'm writing yeah. a novel right now and it's really hard just to sit down. I don't know why, yeah. you know. It, I, it's like, oh, I, I think I'll watch that Viking movie again. You know,
1: <laughs> right. for the third time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's great. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's just amazing how how powerful this stuff is, and and how you know. I think you know, for the people who are listening, I'm sure they're all longtime practitioners or. Very serious about it, anyway. Um, when your life just kind of flips over, and, and all of your experiences, and all your relationships, and all of your thoughts sort of are not just going through the filter of that, but it, it's just who you've become.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a good turning point.
1: Yeah. Well, like Lama used to say, at some point, you know, you study the Dharma, and then at some point, you are the Dharma. Mm. Like you are the books. You just, you don't have to read them anymore because you are them. You are the Dharma. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, you are such it's, it's, you are the dharma you, you you don't have to you don't have any questions anymore in a certain way like uh that's true yeah you know you know why things are happening and uh it's like okay here's another opportunity here's another thing that's going on and how how is this going to propel me towards my rainbow body like mm-hmm. like how's like that's what else is there to like Aspire to after that. So your whole at that some at some point everything that you're doing every day all day long is is just being is just fuel, yeah, for that. And and it's the same life that you were living before. It's the same life. It's just now. It's you have a different relationship with it. The space of the mind is now relating with it all very differently. Yeah, yeah. You don't really have to change much. No, it's that's the beauty of it simple and small cool um
0: wonderful maybe a little dedication and then we're out
1: sure sounds great sounds great So imagine that there's a, a a force, a karmic energy that's gathered in your heart. And it's full of potential and full of enlightened goodness. It's full of your uh, motivation and your practice. And you just decide, you know what? I wanna give this all away. I'm gonna dedicate our time together, dedicate motivation, dedicate your practice to the benefit of others. So then imagine that this goodness, this power of this potential ripening of awakening, right, is bursts out of your body and goes out to anyone that needs it, all sentient beings in all directions. And just imagine that each individual by the virtue of your own practice discovers their true nature like all confusion ends clarity sure knowledge of what is the cause of true well-being and what is the cause of the end of suffering no more confusion giving away all that virtue imagine it taking place Rejoice in the freedom from suffering from all sentient, for all sentient beings. And then let that light withdraw back into the body, back into the heart where it rests. Limitless, limitless, open compassion. Your birthright, just sitting right there.